Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much for being here. Praise man, great job. You did a great job, y'all. It was great. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for that. Hey, listen, I, uh, we talked last Sunday, and I told you it was going to be a two-parter, and so this is going to be the second part, but there were people that were out of town, and so I want to do a brief, brief recap of, of our uh, message from last week. The, we went through, we've been going through a series called Big Questions, and we have asked some pretty big questions this summer. Today will be the final day of our big question series and today's and last week's and today's is the same one and here's the question why do bad things happen to good people that's the question why do bad things happen to good people I know this is an emotional question for a lot of people because we've been through a lot listen can I tell you something we are all we are all we all experience bad things in our life none of us are immune from that and I talked about this. I said, well, listen, the first thing you have to do is, is you have to define, well, what is good? And a lot of theologians would stop right there. They would say, well, what is good? Because we know that Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that all have fallen short. We know that Isaiah 64, 6 says that the best we can muster up, the best we can do. You think of the most, the most holy person that you know. And the scripture says that those things are filthy rags as it's compared to God. And so what is good? Ecclesiastes 7.20 says that we have all sinned, that everyone sins. And I said this last week and I'll say it again. There's only been one person ever born that was good that a bad thing happened to. And that was Jesus Christ. Only one. Only one person ever born good that a bad thing happened to. And that was Jesus Christ. And we could stop there and we could say, well, no one's good. And so we all are under the fall and no one's good. And so when you say, why, do a bad, why does a bad thing happen to a good, good person? Well, no one's good. And, and I, know, I know technically speaking by the letter that's true. But can I tell you something? That does nothing for you and I in our daily lives. All right. Theologically, that's true. And I get that. But in our daily lives, in our, in, in our healing, that is that is not something that is very healing. Now, I can say, well, I know I'm not good and God is, is almighty, but, but let's go a step further. And so that's what we started to do last week. We started to go a little step further in that question. Here is what we looked at. I'm just going to recap one of the verses because I think the scenario is, is that Jesus is telling his disciples some bad things are going to happen and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And then he gets to a point in John chapter 16, verses 31 and 30 through 33. He says this, and I believe we may have that up there. It says, Jesus asks, do you finally believe? But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you this so that you may have what? Peace. And here's the important part. I have told you this so that you may have peace. Peace in 
your bank account. No, peace in your home. Peace in your job. Peace in your family. Lord, we know that's not true. Peace, peace in all these other things that the world makes. No, peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome. That's important. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And so we began to look at various people. We looked at Noah who endured a flood and lost everything around him. Joseph's brothers in the Old Testament in Genesis, they rejected him. We see Jacob's sons, they all endured a a horrible famine. The book of Ruth, we see Ruth's husband died. We see in the New Testament a man faced with demon possession, a woman crippled for 18 years, and then finally Stephen, you know, Stephen was stoned to death. We see that in Acts chapter 7, he was stoned to death. So the question is, is why do bad things happen to good people? Why is that? And I told you this is the answer. It's one word. It's one word. Here it is. The word is sin. That's why bad things happen to good people. That's why. Bad things happen to good people because of sin. But I want to go a little further and explain that. And so what I said is, is this, and I hope you have this in your notes. We live in a fallen world. You have to get in your brain and understand that the world we are surrounded with right now is a fallen world. And there are consequences because of the disconnection between God and man. The fall found in Genesis chapter 3, there was a huge consequence. The consequence was, was that the connection between God and man was broken. And so therefore, those things that were the natural order of things were broken. They were broken. And for years and years and years, they stayed that way. As a matter of fact, it was those that had what the Bible says in the Old Testament, a man after God's own heart. It was, it was those people, and it still is, that connected with God on a deeper level. I talk to you guys about this, and I, t- I say this to our church all the time. If, if, if you don't ever learn anything else from me, I want you to understand this. The minute you give your life over to Christ, you immediately at that moment become a citizen of heaven. Yes, we are on earth worldly a citizen of the United States. But in reality, our citizenship, we have a higher calling and a higher citizenship in heaven. And I gave you this example whenever I was in Haiti. We went by the U.S. Embassy in Haiti. I don't even know if it's even there anymore, but we went by there. And it was amazing because Haiti all around it was depravity and it was all of these horrible things. And then all of a sudden this really nice embassy. And within the walls of that embassy is the walls of that embassy is the United States. I know that makes no sense to us, but within those little walls, that's the United States. And that is a sovereign area for if you're American, you go there, you are now protected by the United States. Now we've seen various embassies get overrun and all those kind of things, but that's what it is. And so, so the, the Americans are in Haiti yet whenever there is some type of event that occurs, Whenever there's some kind of disruption, where there's something, oftentimes the Americans have to experience those disruptions around, even though they are inside the walls of the embassy. Let me explain it in a, in a little bit better way. 
when you are a citizens of heaven here on earth, that doesn't, that doesn't take away the consequences of the brokenness of the world just because you're a citizen of heaven. We are in the process now, and it's called the period of grace, where God wants all people to come unto him. He wants, you know, it says that they all may be saved. He wants people to come to him. It is a period of grace, and that grace is being extended to you and to me. But there will come a time when the Lord will return, ending that period of grace. And we will be called home. That's why they call it home, because we're a citizen. You know, listen, and my mom, stop, my mom's crazy. She's watching today, and I'm actually going to see her tomorrow, and she'll probably knock me upside the head. But, but when I moved to Georgia, my mom always says, when are you going to come home? And I said, well, I am home. I am home. You know what I mean? I kind of like Georgia. I do. Don't tell anybody that, because it's kind of embarrassing now. Because I'm, I'm from Tennessee. For those that don't know, I love born and bred in Tennessee. My son, he likes Georgia too, but he's told us that when he graduates, he's moving to Tennessee to his home. That's what he said. I didn't say it, he said it. And he goes to UGA, by the way. I know, it's bad. We've got the most dysfunctional, messed up situation at our house ever. <laughs> my wife likes Texas A&M. My son and I like Tennessee, and he goes to UGA. It's really messed up. And my daughter, she likes new, uh, LSU. Because she, in seventh grade, she went to visit family in Louisiana, and she was like, I love LSU now. I did a horrible job raising my children. I'm not going to lie to you. I really did. We experience the sin of the fallen world, even though we are citizens of heaven. And that's what Jesus was telling his followers. But I want you to understand something. There's three different types of sin. I love Tony Evans says this. There's three different types of sins that, it, that we experience. The first one is, and I told you guys this last week, is sins that you do. Sins that you do. Sins that you commit. Sins that harm you. Sins that cause you problems. Sins that b- bring sorrow, sorrow in your life. Sins that where you mess up, you feel this deep sense of regret and remorse and guilt. Those type of sins are sins that you do. And to be honest with you, if we go through a, tra- a traumatic event and there's sins that we did, we can kind of, it, it's hard, but we can kind of say, okay, listen, I did this to myself. But what makes it more difficult is the second one, and it's this, sins that are done to you. So there's sins that you do, sins that are done to you. These are the ones where people take advantage of other people, they hurt other people. There's generational sins that's passed down through the generations. It's where others' actions cause you to suffer. And that is when it gets very difficult and very hard and very frustrating. And that's when it gets very, here it is, very confusing for those that are believers in Christ. Because why should I have to suffer because of the sin of another person? And that brings me to my third and final one, and it's called atmospheric sin. It's sin in the general atmosphere. Because of the fallenness, because of the brokenness of our world, there is an atmospheric sin that encompasses us. You want to see atmospheric sin? Just turn on the TV and you'll be fine. You'll get all the atmospheric sin you want in about a three-hour stint. And Lord, don't even go to the news stations. You'll get everything you need in about ten minutes. Atmospheric sin. 
In the book of Romans chapter 1 it says that they knew God but they wouldn't recognize him as God and they wouldn't glorify him as God. And so God gave them over to a foolish mind. And so because of that, they cre- here it is, they created ways that God was like. So they created their own ways that God was like. And that's what we're seeing today. What is that? That's atmospheric sin. Three kinds of sin. These sins cause the pain that we see. And sometimes the pain that we inflict on other people. 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 says this. 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 12 and 13. It says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ. Here it is, in His suffering. So that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to all the world. Can I tell you something? There's nothing going to be greater than for those that have suffered on earth when God's glory is fully revealed at His return the overwhelming joy that you will feel is going to blow your mind. It is. It is. The second thing is, I told you this, I said, listen, not only do we live in a fallen world, but God does some of his best work when we're hurting. Now, we all have pains in our life. And as a believer, we should expect to suffer in the same way that Christ suffered for us. I told you guys the story about my dad. <clears throat> my dad uh, was probably the hardest thing that I'd been through up until that point, and maybe even since, to be, to be honest with you guys, because, you know, I'd gone through a tornado. But when my dad passed away suddenly at the age of 59, my dad was my friend. He was my, you know, I would talk to him about various things. Uh, honestly, I respected him. He was, I had him way up here on a pedestal, and I respected him. He taught me how to work, and he taught me how to fish, and he taught me how to do all kinds of stuff. He never taught me anything about a car. I wish he'd have done that, because that would have helped my, my financial budget out really well. But whenever my dad passed away, that was a hard thing for me. It was very difficult for me. And I went through a period of about eight months of grieving when my dad passed away. And when when I went through that process, I realized at the very end of that, that God was doing something in me in the midst of the pain. God was doing something in me. And I came out of that in the summer of that year, probably around August or September. And I decided at that point that I was going to go into full time ministry. And it was a turning point in my life. Literally, I can look back at my life. And if people ask me, they say, hey, listen, when did, you know, what would you define? When was the turning point? When was there a transition? I always go back and say, when my father passed away, there was a transition and a clear pivot from from what I was doing to full-time ministry. And I didn't just do what some people do. I didn't just say, yeah, let me find a job around where I live. I I, I came as a missionary to Georgia. Here I am. And 16 years later, we're still going strong. But it was a turning point in my life. I literally gave up everything to follow after God. And because of what he had taught me in the midst of the grief, I was able to trust him enough to step out on faith. And by the way, I did it again. I did it again about, about six and a half years ago when we planted this church. To step out on faith. 
It was an amazing thing. And all of that came from what? It came from grief. God does some of his best work. Psalm 34, 18 tells us that God is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirit is crushed. Romans 8, 28, you've heard this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, a lot of people want to miss this. They want to say, well, God works together for all the good. Well, no, he doesn't. He works together for the good, together for the good for those who God, uh, who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That doesn't mean you can go do your own thing. It means that he lo- for those that love God genuinely and are called according to his purpose for them, he has a plan and a purpose for you. And so when you're on that path, all of these trials and tribulations end up working for good. The truth of the matter is, you guys, is your greatest ministry. Your greatest ministry will probably flow from your deepest hurt. Your your greatest ministry and your greatest impact with other people is probably going to flow from what has hurt you the most. If you are willing to submit to God's will and minister to other people and use your experiences and use what taught you. If you're willing to do that, that's probably going to be your greatest ministry. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. It says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. And here it is. He comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Some of God's best work is going to be done in the midst of your pain. And I run over this finally, but this is the third and final point. It was this. Most of the time, we won't know the reason, but we do know the outcome. I want to say that again. Most of the time, we will not know the reason, but we will know the outcome. We will probably not know the reason things have happened in our life. Now, for some, we may know, or for some, we may figure it out. For me, if you ask me why, why that I went through the traumatic event of losing my father when he was 59 years old, if you ask me why that happened to me, I would tell you, well, the only thing I could think of is, is that I always wanted to please my dad. And to be honest with you, a lot of times I wanted to please my earthly father more than my heavenly father. And I was always scared. I was always scared to go into full-time ministry because I wasn't sure he would approve of it. I wasn't sure. He would have. I found out since he would have, but I, I, I wasn't sure. And so I was nervous about that. So what occurred is, is that when my father passed away, I no longer had that fear. And I was able to jump full speed ahead. Those things are things that I know. That's my guess. But I won't know those things until I get to heaven. But I can tell you this. I do know the outcome. And here's what we know. The first thing is, is that because of Christ's work on the cross, that Jesus has given us an eternal hope and a hope that we will too share with him in his glory. We know that. As a matter of fact, I thought it would be appropriate to share with you the best news of all. Revelation 21 verses 1 through 7 says this. If you're ever feeling down, just look at Revelation 21 verses 1 through 7. He says this, he says, Then I saw a new heaven 
and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had, had disappeared, and the sea also was gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making what? Everything New. God, please give me some hair. That's all I'm asking. And then, and then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, here it is. It is finished. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will freely from the spring of water of life and and all who are victorious will inherit all of these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. And that is good news. And that should give you a hope. We aren't going to know exactly why things have happened, but we do know, we do know the outcome. I thought I'd go a little further and give you guys some practical applications. What if you're going through a situation right now and it's a very tough situation? Or you have a friend or a family member that's going through a situation. Let me go through these practical applications briefly. The first application is this. Embrace God and cling to Him. All right, embrace God and cling to him. A lot of people, what they do is, is when they go through a tough situation, they don't embrace God. They embrace all of these other non-eternal things that, happening, that are happening. Sometimes people embrace, you know, being by themselves or isolation. Sometimes people embrace alcohol. Sometimes people embrace food. Sometimes people, you know, they do all these various things. I'm asking you to do this. Embrace God and cling to to him. The second thing is this, allow others to minister to you. Now you need to make sure this is someone that you trust. But if you close yourself off to other people, you are stealing, you are stealing the blessing from other people who love you and want to help you and want to walk through things with you. Allow others to minister to you in your time. And this is not easy for everybody. This is difficult. Some people don't want people around. Some people have a real hard time with this because they've always been the one that's done what, what they've always done the ministering. But I'm encouraging you, allow others to minister to you. Lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. And I love this. Seek His will in all you do and He will show you the path to take. By the way, as a little side note, that's not just for when you're grieving. That's for every single day. Do not seek your own understanding. We try to figure things out as to how and why, and we try to figure out, well, what, why did this happen, and why is this, and why is that? Here's the truth. I told you, you're not going to know the reason probably, but you do know the outcome. And so don't try to seek your own understanding because you'll drive yourself crazy. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this. He says, it, it's God speaking, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could Imagine. 
Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The next thing I want to tell you is this. This is very practical. Don't make big decisions. Don't make big decisions. I waited, I waited until, you know, until a little over a year before I decided that I was going to actually move and do those things. But don't make big decisions. You know what I mean? Don't make huge decisions. Sometimes whenever something happens, you immediately want to make huge decisions. Don't make big decisions. Push the pause button. Wait. There's nothing wrong with waiting six months, eight months, ten months, a year. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't make big decisions when you're in the midst of those bad things. The next thing is give yourself time to grieve. Give yourself time to grieve. Allow yourself to go through the grief process. God, listen, God created us. He knows us inside and out. And he, I know he, some psychologists, psychiatrists didn't create the grief cycle. God did. And he knows us and he allows us to grieve. Go through that process. Don't short circuit that process because what oftentimes will happen is, is if you're going through a really bad time and you don't go through the grief process, what will end up happening is, is you will short circuit that process and it will turn into bitterness and anger. And we know that bitterness and anger destroys the vessel that it's carried in. It does. And you don't want to do that. Go through the process Go through the grieving process. The next thing is allow yourself to heal. And once again, this is not going to happen overnight. It's not. And in the midst of that, look for God in the healing. How do you do that? Well, how do you, here's how you do it. What you do is, is you embrace God and cling to him. You allow his word, his word to minister to you. You allow his people to minister to you. You pray and connect with him and allow him and his Holy Spirit to counsel you and guide you and comfort you. That's what the text says. That's what the Bible says that the Holy Spirit's job is, is to comfort and to help heal us. And the final thing is to seek biblical counseling. Seek biblical counseling. I want to say that again. I wish I'd have highlighted biblical. Seek biblical counseling. Because I really do believe that if you're not seeking biblical counseling, I believe that I don't know that you can get genuine healing if the healer himself is not involved. Are you with me? You're going to need the healer to be involved. Seek biblical counseling. And with that, I want to introduce you to someone who means the world to me. Back in 2000, back in 2009, um, my daughter, we have a, a daughter that we adopted from the Georgia Baptist Children's Home. Love her dearly. She's 28 now. Doing, I can't believe she's 28. She's doing great. She is married. Thank God she's off the payroll. It's a great situation. All right. It really is. It really is. Now she's doing, she's doing fantastic. But in 2009, she went through a very tough time in her life. She had to deal with the trauma from her childhood. And so she had to deal with that trauma that she experienced. And so we decided, hey, we're going to walk alongside. We're going to walk alongside with you. And one of the things we did is, is we wanted to seek out a good Christian counselor. And thank the Lord, one of my pastor friends referred uh, us to Dr. Gretchen Peacock. And Dr. Gretchen Peacock is a, I call her Gretchen, but I'll, I'll, I'll give her a doctor name, Dr. Gretchen. Dr. Gretchen Peacock 
is a biblical counselor here uh, in Coweta County. She is, she's a therapist, and we actually, Bailey went to her for over two years. Uh, and every once in a while, we'd go get a, 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 a checkup, uh, is what, we, what I like to call it. So, but she, she went to her, and we watched as, as her life began to change, and she began to understand things. And Now listen, did that mean that every, her rest of her life went well? No, it didn't. It actually, no, it didn't. During that season of her life, she needed that. And then when she went to college, she had to get some other things that were that were that were really really uh, part of that 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 history as well. But Dr. Peacock means the world to us. I openly share this with everyone who who comes who comes through these doors. I don't ever want there to be a stigma on Christian counseling, or 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 medication or anything like that. I have gone to see Dr. Gretchen myself. Um, and uh, she uh, she always says, "Well, Brother Barry, what's going on?" Uh, and so, but I have I've done that before, and I'll do it again if I need to. If you guys drive me crazy, I'll just go right to the back and see her. So, no, seriously, seriously, there's a few of you that are working on it. But anyway, um, no, I'm kidding. I'm really not. But anyway, so no, seriously, uh, Doctor Doctor Peacock means the world to us. And what I love about her is that everything that she tells you is from a biblical standpoint. She takes biblical principles and applies them to your life. And we love that here. Real Church is here to help people experience God in real life, in everyday life. That's what we want. And so that's what I see in her. Before I planted this church back in 2015, at the, in October of 2015, uh, I had decided that this is what I wanted to do. And I went to her and I went to her two times in October, two times in November, two times in December, two times in January, two times in February. And then we launched in March. I went to her in April. And then after that, I said, all right, we're good. Because I wanted to make sure that I was not losing my mind and make sure I was doing the right biblical thing. So I say that, that's a long introduction, but please welcome one of my close, close friends, Dr. Gretchen Peacock. Come on up, Gretchen. All right, just grab a mic there. If you'll just grab one of those mics right there, right here on the ground there, and I probably have to turn it on. We're going to try to center up just a little bit. So let's do a little housekeeping here. Let me grab this girl. All right. All right. So is your mic on? Let's see. All right, let's see here. Turn it on at the bottom. All right, let's see. Hey, there you go. There you go. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, listen, I sent you some questions. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I know, right? It is I such know. a blessing to see the fruit of this. Yes. I knew it when it was in the womb. Isn't it, isn't it crazy? I know. It's, it's hey, really God. crazy. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, listen, um, tell me, tell us about your background. Tell us about your, you know, your, your education and all those kind of things. Well... First, I want to start off by being real. Okay. I used to think I didn't have much of a testimony because God captured me when I was seven. Mm. But before that, I was a wild kid, and I am so glad God, God got me. And I had a dear friend who they were having a service for the high schoolers, and they wanted people to give testimonies. I said, I don't have one. He said, oh, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Because when I was six, I ran my mother over with the grocery cart. And I think it was like I just had this energy and 
anger and impulsive. Okay, hold on a second. Now, when you say you ran her over, I mean, I, I want to stop, right? We've got to have the story, right? She wouldn't let me have cookies. All right. And I wanted the cookies. That's close to a reason to run her over. And I, I mean, got, I'm just saying. I mean, it was terrible. She <laughs> fell out. I mean, all the people. Oh, I thought. Where were you at? Like at the Piggly, grocery store. Piggly Wiggly or? Oh, I was back in Arkansas. Oh, in Arkansas. I grew up in Arkansas. All right. So I'm like, I am so glad that at seven years old, yes. I had an encounter with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he changed me. Yeah. So I, I found my Bible that I had when I was around that age. Mm-hmm. And I was underlining. And, and I was like, yeah, God, I had a real experience. Mm-hmm. And so that guided me throughout yeah. the rest the, yeah. of my life. And I knew that I wanted to serve people and mm-hmm. serve Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I had a real intense sensitivity about people. I remember when I heard on the news that Martin Luther King was killed. And I was five years old. Mm-hmm. I wept and wept and wept. I didn't even know what I was weeping about, except I was sad about what happened. Yeah. So just this tender mm-hmm. gift that I think God had given me. Mm-hmm. And so I always wanted to help people. Yeah. And the, my church said, you're going to be our next missionary. Well, I didn't do, do that type of missions. But I feel like that what I do every day mm-hmm. and have been doing for about 35 years now has been helping the the broken. And I actually, yeah. I say I'm kind of like a sending agency. I help get people put together and send them forth mm-hmm. to shine Jesus. Yeah. What is so. the difference for those that don't know that? What is the difference between secular counseling and Christian counseling? Like what is the, what is the difference? What is the methodology? What's the difference? Well, because of this, this heart that I had for Jesus, I was able to go to Christian university, Washita Baptist University in mm-hmm. Arkansas. And then I went to grad school at Fuller seminary in California, Mm -hmm. largest interdenominational seminary. And there I learned how to integrate psychology and my spirituality, our Christianity, and saw that they aren't opposed to each other. They can work in sync with one another. However, I have to say that when you bring Jesus in, Good things happen, and in this field that I'm in has a lot of burnout. And um, I'm thinking, wow, I've been able to do this for a long time, and I don't yeah. plan to stop mm-hmm. because I cast those cares on Jesus, and He carries carries the broken. And I see yeah. God bring some help for people. Yeah, so. yeah, it's amazing. One of the things, <clears throat> and I'll ask you this: Tell me what what is the when a person has a relationship with Christ and they come to you. How does that, like, what level does that help them? I mean, when they are fully, I mean, when, because you go to a regular counselor and, and it's all about you, 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 your emotions, your feelings, all those kind of things. But when you add in the Christian component with the relationship that you have with Christ and the Holy Spirit within you, how does that, how does that aid in their counseling? Well, I feel like it brings the blessed hope, the blessed, mm-hmm. the empowerment to do what feels impossible. Yeah. I mean, this life is going to beat you up and you're going to be broken. And to be able to see that, wow, with God's help, all things mm-hmm. are possible and that we can pray over the mm-hmm. broken who come our way. And, and in the journey, we're not in it alone. Yeah. Yeah. What's amazing is, and for those who don't know this, um, that, that if you look at the recidivism rate of people that come, that return back and that, that they, they go back to, uh, to, to need or they, or they end up doing something and then they go back. Um, if you have a Christian based, um, counseling, if you have a Christian based 
because of the hope, that eternal hope, and because of what we read in Revelation, because of that, the recidivism rate is so much lower for the Christian counseling. It is. It's true. It's, it's crazy. I did an undergrad, uh, one of my undergrad thesis was on that. I wanted to see what the recidivism rate between a Christian, uh, Christian counseling and, and, not, and secular counseling. And what you see is, is the success rate is so much higher from biblical counseling. We see that. We had it over Christmas. We had the, uh, the people from right down, right down the, the street here at Pathway. And we, we heard that from their, one of their directors is that they, they have been so successful because of that biblical aspect of the counseling. So what are some of the things that you see in your, your office? Like what are some of the main issues that you are, you are seeing right now? Anxiety, mm-hmm. fear, confusion, relational Dysfunctions. It's yeah. a lot of things. This, this is, I would tell people I could probably be doing this 24-7 right now. Yeah. I, I think something happened with COVID and uh, the disassociation, the lack of uh, fellowship, the lack of connection has been mm-hmm. devastating on people. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and that's all branched off COVID, mm-hmm. right? It's all branched from COVID. And, and we, because we are, we need, you know, the Bible says right at the, right at the very beginning, it's, it's not good for man to be alone. <laughs> it's not, we have to have that connection. We have to have that relational aspect. So why do you think knowing the benefits, why do you think that people are reluctant to go to counseling? Why would you, why would you say that is? Fear, yeah. <laughs> shame, embarrassment. I'd have people say, if I, if I come to counseling and I start unpacking some of the wounds from my past, I'll start crying and I'll never stop. I'm here mm-hmm. to tell you after 35 years, I've never had anybody not stop crying eventually. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just hard to get stirred up. I think it, they think it shows weakness. Mm-hmm. And when it actually, I think it shows more courage and strength. Yeah. Especially with men, right? Yes. With men. Men have I can a do y'all, it myself. guys. We have a hard time with this because we think that we can deal with everything. And my thing has always been this, uh, because I consider myself a dude, dude. Are you with me? All right. But but I, my thought is is if God has equipped people to be able to serve and help me, why would I not seek that out? Why would I not do that? It makes no sense. I don't I don't even communicate. I'm like, why would I not do that? That makes no sense. And most of the time, what we find is, I think, is fear and pride. I think, for, especially for men, fear and pride. We don't want to do that. So when someone comes to you, how do you, like, for instance, someone has come to you and they've, you know, most of the time it's been a when something bad happens to someone that's trying to do good. So how do you dig into that? Like, what is your, what do you do? What, what, what can they experience when they come? One of the first things I want to do is create a safe place. Mm-hmm. Um, a place where um, they, you, it's like my living room and we can just sit and talk and that they know that there's not judgment, there's love. Yeah. God is love. So if we're biblical counselors. We're going to mm-hmm. be walking in his peace and his love and, and hopefully in his wisdom and see that um, they can open up and share the deep things and not have, I was, one of my lines is, I don't have any stones to throw. Mm-hmm. We are all broken. We've all had our issues. And um, one of the things that I do, because, um, you know, 2011, I, my mother-in-law suicided, my father-in-law died, my fa- mother died, all within six, six months of each other. Mm-hmm. 2011, yucky year. Mm-hmm. And my firstborn went to college. Yeah. And that was hard, too. Yeah. So I, I want to comfort with the comfort that I've received, mm-hmm. too, because 
I'm just a fellow sojourner. I just happen to have yeah. been graced to get to go to school and learn sure. a lot of things. Sure. Why so. is it why is it so important? And this is something that that I have people ask me all the time because most of the time people will just say, "Well, you know, uh, and I do counseling here sometimes. Usually I try to do a couple of sessions, maybe two or three sessions, and then I will send them uh, to you. <laughs> Basically is what I do. Um, but but if they if they need that. And so why is it important for someone to have uh, someone not related to them, not close to them, not in their circle? Why is that so important? I know iron sharpens iron, and I know we're supposed to lean on other believers. But it's some, there's just some things that we need to go to an outside source who doesn't have a you know, stone to throw, doesn't have a dog in the fight. Why is that so important for them to have that? Well, I think it adds to the safety. And also, people are always involved in some, some degree or another taking care of the, their loved ones. Mm-hmm. Are. And I think it's important to have a place. I, I tell people, you don't have to take care of me. I have my resources. It's all about me focusing on you mm-hmm. and hearing your heart. Um, so. Yeah. If you could give like, because there may be people here that are in the midst of this. If you could give them one, one, um, I don't want to say piece of advice because I know counselors are not supposed to give advice. Um, but I have a therapist in my house. Sorry, my wife's a counselor too. So here we are living the dream. They say you marry what you need. I married a therapist. All right. But she married a preacher. So, so hey, you, you know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm just telling you. Um, but listen, what, what would you tell someone who was in the midst of this struggle? What would be one of the first steps you would tell them? I and mean, what, would, what, would, what would be something that you would encourage them with? Or the hope, how would you give them hope in, in that setting? Because there are people that, that are here, maybe even today, that are, are, in, are fighting that battle. What would you tell them? To not give up and know that this is a part of the healing and God will mend that broken heart mm-hmm. says that he's new to the, near to the brokenhearted That's and right. he mend those wounds i love the passage in jeremiah for i the lord will heal you of your wounds and restore health to you mm-hmm. restoration is coming but it is a journey and the the comfort i hope to give people is they're not on the journey alone i i love to say that i'm a paracletic counselor the greek word for holy spirit right. means one called to walk alongside it's mm-hmm. paraclete. Yeah. And I want to walk alongside my people. I don't have the magic wand to make it all go, go away. It's a journey. But God is faithful. And I've seen a lot of people change over the years. And I'm telling you, I would not still be mm-hmm. doing it if I didn't see, mm-hmm. yeah. see healing someone, and wholeness come. Someone lost their phone over here. What's, <laughs> it's my wife <laughs> who needs the preacher. <laughs> what... Um, what is, I, I guess, I'm, I'm trying to, I've, I, this is not one I sent you. So um, how do they start the process? Like, like what is the first step they would, they would do? Like if they want to see you, what do they do? And this is not an infomercial, by the way. But you can see Gretchen Peacock Monday through Friday. This is the number. I know, right? Um, what do they do? Well, I have been blessed to have a dear assistant who has Mm -hmm. walked alongside me for the past 30 years at a new start. And um, she, you, I would give her number, Teresa, 
Yep. And Teresa. By the way, it's the sheriff's wife, so don't mess around. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we are fully protected when you come see me. Yep. Um, but anyway, she she does her best to yeah. look at the crazy schedule and work out. And she has a strong belief that everybody who wants to come, we're going to get them in. Yes, she does. She really she does. does. And that's so been great. That's that? been great for us too. Okay. I want to tell you what we're doing here at Real Church because we really feel strongly about this. Is that we are we have partnered with with them and with Gretchen, and we never want anyone not to go to counseling because they can't afford it. You know what I mean? Let's be, let's be honest here. I mean, even with copays, counseling is expensive. It can be expensive sometimes for people. And we don't want people not to go because they can't afford it. And so, and she does take all kinds of insurances and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes there's people who, who either don't have insurance or they just can't afford the copay or whatever. Um, we are partnering with anyone in our church family that, that feels like they, they, they need that. And what we're doing is, is we're actually supplementing whatever area. We do want you guys to have a little bit of skin in the game. So maybe a you know, $15 copay or a $20 copay. But besides that, our church is committed. Um, and we've set it up where if you guys need some kind of help and you can't afford to go or you need some help, you can, you're more than welcome to give me a call. You can give Lynn a call. All we do is, is we give you the information and the number. You call over and say, hey, Pastor Barry told me to call. And then from that point, you schedule an appointment and you go through the process and you do that as long as you need to. And we're committed for the long haul. Because see, what we don't want to be is we don't want to be a church that comes up on Sunday morning and tells you, hey, you know, uh, seek biblical counseling as part of this application and then say, well, good luck. We'll see you again next Sunday. What we want to be is the church that says seek biblical counseling. And by the way, if you can't afford that, we will walk alongside to help you. Now we want you to have a little skin in the game. Okay. So you need to skip two lunches. All right. 20 bucks, two lunches, or these days, maybe one lunch the way prices are. Um, and, and, but, but we, we really, it's important studies show that if you, if you don't have any skin in the game, as far as financially goes, it doesn't work. Uh, you don't work as hard, but if you have some skin in the game, then there's something psychologically that, that helps you do that. And so we want to do that. We want to do that for you. And so that's the kind of church that we want, we want to be. So listen, I'm so thankful for you. You know, I am, I, 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 I don't talk to her often. Most of the time I just send her people. Uh, and, and they, they end up coming back. I, I'll tell you, I, I've never had anyone that's come back and said, man, I really regret doing that. Um, it, it's just like going to the gym. You know, I never met anybody walking out of the gym says, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Um, because it's just good for you. And, and these things are good for you as well. And so I want to encourage you guys to take the step of faith, trust God enough. Listen, I, I cannot express to you how rare it is to have a truly biblical, uh, God-centered, Holy Spirit-driven counselor in our area. They just do not exist. I mean, they are, to have a new start over in Fayetteville and to have your office here is an amazing thing because they are few and far between. It's just very difficult. Gretchen also always promises me that if I have someone that really needs to be seen, just to give her a call and I will give her a message. And she is, she is awesome at being flexible. Uh, she's met with people on Saturdays and she's done all kinds of stuff um, to help. Special. 
I know, right? I'm special. So, but to help, to help with, uh, with, with our church and our church family. So, but I'm so thankful you were here. Thank Go you. ahead. Yeah. I wanted to say how important it is for the work that I do mm-hmm. to have a church like yours mm. to come alongside and help just continue to solidify and encourage and to yeah. help people walk out their healing in a place of a community of love and grace, which is here. And I'm just so grateful for that. That's good stuff. You guys give it up for Dr. Gretchen. Thank you so much, girl. Love you, girl. All right. All right. All right. So what, how do we end? How do we close? Well, I'll tell you, um, I, I encourage you, I encourage you, if you get nothing out of this, I encourage you with this, embrace God in the midst of your trials. And he will have, he will show you, he will direct you. And I, I, I promise you this, there is life on the other side. There is. There's life on the other side. Does that mean the hurt doesn't, you know, does that mean that means you're going to forget? No. No, I, I literally, I have two pictures in my office that mean a lot to me. The one of them is on the right-hand side of my, of my, uh, my little table. It's right, it, I put it on there on purpose. It's right across my desk, and it's on the right-hand side, and it's my dad and my mom in his old fishing boat. Um, and it's he's sitting there, and I love that. And then I've got one right beside me at my desk, and it's my dad holding my son. Uh, and those two pictures mean the world to me. They really mean the world to me. So no, it's not a forgetting it's a, it's a, and I'll tell you, I've told this story before and listen, I'm not saying this is something biblical or anything like that. I'm just telling you what happened to me, but the way I was able to get past is I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I felt so strongly, I felt so strongly deep within me. One day I was walking out to my truck to get ready to go to work. And I felt so strongly. And I, I think it was probably God saying, how long are you going to hold on to this? How long are you going to hold on to this? And then the next thing was, was your dad's fine. Move on with your life. He's fine. And an overwhelming peace hit me. And after that, I was fine. Because I knew that God had him. And I was good. Let me pray for you. Lord, We look to you as our provision and our strength. God, we're thankful for who you are. And we're thankful that we can embrace you and that you will walk with us through our troubled times. God, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, sin. Sin's why bad things happen to good people. But the amazing thing about you, God, is that you have already answered that as well. It's only because of your blood that you shed that we can have an eternal hope in you. And we cling to that hope. We cling to that hope today. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We never like to let you guys leave without having a final closing song and open up. Our altar is always open for you to come down, get prayer. I'd love to pray with you. 
uh, we always have other people that come too. You will never pray by yourself up here. So if you guys decide to come down, don't be freaked out if someone lays their hand on your back because they'll be praying with you and they'll be praying for you. I want to encourage you to do that as we sing our final song. Let's stand up and let's worship. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.